Fable City Radio with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we'll be enjoying the story of Thumbelina by Hans Christian Andersen. Written in Denmark in 1835, it's a story of a very unhappy bride-to-be courted by an unlikely assortment of suitors as she struggles to find her way in a world much larger than she is. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy Thumbelina. Once upon a time, there was a childless woman who wanted a baby more than anything, so she went to a local fairy to plead for help. Becoming a mother is no problem at all, said the fairy. Here is a very special barley corn seed. Go home and plant it in a pot. Water the seed and take very good care of the plant that grows, and you shall get your dearest wish. The grateful woman paid the fairy 12 pence for the seed and hurried home to plant it. When she got home, she planted the seed in a pretty pot in good soil and watered it thoroughly. Then she set it by a sunny window and prayed for a miracle. Soon, a slender green shoot pushed its way out of the soil and uncurled into a sturdy green plant with a single flower bud at the top. After a few days, a beautiful red flower grew that looked like a tulip, only much larger, and its petals were tightly curled. The woman, caring for the plant, was so enchanted with its beauty that one day while she was gazing at it, she impulsively kissed the unopened blossom. Much to her surprise, the flower immediately opened, and sleeping inside it was a beautiful miniature girl. The woman was thrilled to have a child at long last, and it didn't bother her at all that her daughter was miniature-sized. She turned a polished walnut shell into a little bed for her new daughter, and she named her Thumbelina, for she was scarcely half the size of her thumb. But she called her Tiny, for short. During the day, Tiny liked to sail in a little boat that floated in water that filled a shallow plate her mother placed on a table with pretty flowers and plants around it so that Tiny could pretend to be outside on a pond. One night, while Tiny was sleeping in her walnut shell, a warty old toad hopped through a hole in the window and she spotted Tiny in her bed and she said to herself, what a pretty little creature she would make my son a lovely wife. And so thinking, the old toad quietly picked up the shell with the sleeping girl in it and carried it out of the window and down to a stream to show her son his future bride. When the ugly toad son saw Tiny, all he could do was croak in excitement over and over. His mother shushed him and told him to be quiet so that Tiny wouldn't wake up, but he couldn't help himself. We need to go and make your house all ready so that you can bring your new bride there as soon as possible, said the mother toad. I will put this little munchkin on a lily pad in the middle of the stream so she can't get away while we fix up your new home. Tiny woke up the next morning to find herself stranded in the middle of the stream, and she cried and cried for her mother and her home. When the toads finished fixing up the son's new home, they swam out to the lily pad with Tiny on it. My son will be your home. Husband, little woman, said the mother toad. All the son could do was croak. We will come back and take you to your new home after we move your bed. And with that, the toads hopped away, taking Thumbelina's bed with them. Thumbelina cried bitterly because she didn't want to marry the ugly toad and live with him the rest of her life. Her weeping was so loud that the little fishes darting here and there in the stream below the lily pad heard her cries and decided to help her. So they began nibbling on the long root that held the lily pad in place. The 
lily pad quickly broke loose and began floating down the swift stream, carrying Tiny far beyond the grasp of the toad mother and her unattractive son. Tiny floated past many towns and cities, and she thought she might be stuck on the lily pad for the rest of her days. Then a beautiful white butterfly flew over Tiny's lily pad as it sped down the stream, and Tiny was glad of the company. She used her hair ribbon to tie the butterfly to a little piece of lily stem that was sticking up from the pad. But no sooner had she done that when a large may beetle saw her on the lily pad and swooped down to pick her up. Tiny watched helplessly as her lily boat with the beautiful white butterfly tied to it rushed on down the stream. She was very sad that she didn't have a chance to release the butterfly. The may beetle flew her to the top of a tree where his friends and family lived. One of the lady may beetles looked Tiny up and down and said, she really is ugly and she only has two disgusting bare legs. Yuck. She's quite hideous. Get rid of her, said another. The may beetle who had grabbed Tiny on impulse was now quite ashamed of her, so he flew her down to the forest floor, setting her on a daisy growing there, and said, do as you like, you are free. Tiny was quite sad to think that she was so ugly that even May Beetles thought she was too unattractive to associate with. She cried herself to sleep that night, and almost every night that summer, as she struggled to survive by herself in the forest. She sucked the nectar from flowers to feed herself, and sheltered under dry leaves to keep dry when the rains came. Finally, the fall arrived, and soon the winter cold started setting in, and Thumbelina was both cold and hungry, and she feared that she would soon perish. She was out looking for some food, stumbling along in her ragged clothes, when half frozen, she came upon the burrow of a kindly field mouse. She knocked on the mouse's door to ask for something to eat, and when the mouse opened the door, she was shocked to see the sad little woman on her doorstep. You poor thing, said the mouse. Come in this instant and warm yourself by my good fire, and I insist you eat some of my grain. I have plenty. After the mouse got to know Thumbelina better, she said, Having some company pleases me very much. You may stay here and be comfortable if you will help me keep my house clean and tell me stories to keep me amused. Tiny was happy with this arrangement, and she promised to help the mouse and thanked her profusely for the food and shelter. So they lived together in harmony for some time. But when the winter was half over, the mouse told Tiny that a very important and wealthy neighbor would soon be visiting them. He is a very elegant, intelligent, and wealthy mole with a beautiful black velvet coat, and I think he would make you a very fine husband. He can't really see well, so you must tell him your prettiest stories and sing him songs, for he likes to hear new things as often as he can. The mole came to dinner, and Tiny did as she was told, cooking for the mole and singing him songs and telling him stories. He did have an impressive black coat, but he was so disdainful towards daylight and sunshine and pretty flowers and everything that Tiny loved that she did not like the idea of marrying him and living in his dark burrow with him. The mole was smitten with Tiny's voice, and he fell in love with her. To facilitate his courtship, he dug a tunnel between his large burrow and the mouse's tiny burrow, and he invited the mouse and Tiny to visit whenever they wanted to. One day, the mole came to lead the mouse and Tiny to his home for the first time. He carried a small phosphorescent stick in his mouth to light the women along the dark passage, and he warned them not to be alarmed by the dead bird lying in one part of the tunnel. He's too big for me to move right now, but I hope to find a rabbit to help me move him out of my tunnel soon. Silly things, birds flying all over like they own the place. It serves him right, he 
fell down here to die. What good does a bird ever do anyone? As they passed through the tunnel, Tiny saw the bird in the dull glow of the mole's torch. It was a beautiful swallow. There was no mark on the bird, so Tiny thought he had probably died from the cold. She felt sorry for the fallen bird, but the mole kicked at the bird's curled legs when he passed by, so she quietly stroked his lovely feathers as she passed his body, and she remembered the beautiful songs that the birds had sung to her when she was living in the forest. That night, back in her own bed, Tiny could not stop thinking about the fallen swallow lying alone in the passageway. She got up and carried a blanket she had woven through the dark tunnel, and feeling her way to the bird, she covered him with it and tucked it in around his body. The next morning, Tiny went back to the bird and was delighted to find him weak but alive. He had been benumbed by the cold, but her blanket had brought him back from the brink of death. She brought him some water and a leaf, and he told her he had injured his wing and couldn't fly south with his companions. Tiny helped him into a small side passage where no one could find him, and all winter she visited him and brought him food while the mouse and the mole were asleep. Finally, spring came, and the bird was strong enough to fly again, so Tiny helped him open up the roof of the tunnel so he could fly away. He offered to take her with him, but she was afraid it would upset the mouse who had been so kind to her, so she declined. A week later, the mouse told Tiny that she was to be the mole's new bride. She wanted to refuse, but the mouse scolded her and told her she was very lucky to have such a prosperous husband. You will get married after the summer ends. It is too hot until the fall comes, and that will give us time to prepare all the clothes you need to live underground with the mole forever. You won't be seeing the sun anymore, so you will be needing warm clothing. Tiny was very sad and saw no way out of the arrangement. She cried secretly every night, but she worked on her trousseau with the mouse, and the mole came to visit her almost every evening. Finally, the wedding eve arrived, and the mole came to tell Tiny to say her final goodbyes to the sun and to her life above ground. Tiny was so sad and she went outside by herself to look at the sun one last time and to feel the breeze on her skin. She had collapsed crying on the ground when suddenly she heard a whoosh of wings and the swallow she had nursed back to health was standing before her. I am going to fly to warmer lands now, he said. Would you like to come with me? Oh yes, cried Thumbelina and she scrambled onto his back and away they flew. The bird flew for many miles until it arrived in a land of bright sunshine, and he landed on top of a tall pillar where he had a nest. This is my home, he said, but you wouldn't be happy here. I will fly you down to one of the beautiful flowers below where you can live and I can look out for you. Tiny thanked him profusely as he set her down on a flat leaf of a beautiful flower that was surrounded by many other blossoms. She was startled to see that the flower was also the home of a tiny, handsome man, just her size, who was smiling at her. He had a gold crown on his head and almost transparent green wings on his back. And he said he was a prince of the flowers and he quickly fell in love with Thumbelina, whom he called Maya because he thought she deserved a more beautiful name. He asked her to marry him and help him rule over the flowers and Maya happily agreed. All of the flowers surrounding them opened up and each one contained its own flower fairy who came bearing gifts to celebrate the prince's engagement. Best of all, one of the gifts was a pair of white gossamer wings so that Maya could fly from flower to flower with her new husband with whom she lived happily ever after. The End
I hope you enjoyed my version of Thumbelina. It was originally written by Hans Christian Andersen in 1835. The first English version was published in 1846. The story has been adapted many times since its publication for both film and television. When Thumbelina was first published, it was not very popular and several critics disliked it because they thought it lacked a firm moral lesson. One critic did like the story because he found it quote unquote inventive. Many of the stories of Hans Christian Andersen are overtly moralistic tales with Christian teachings heavily embedded in them. But Anderson, who had a difficult and poor childhood marked by abuse, seemed to sometimes write pure fantasy without too many religious components. Some of his fairy tales get downright preachy, doling out horrible punishments to characters who don't manifest Christian values. My favorite example of this type of Hans Christian Andersen morality story is The Red Shoes, in which a girl wears bold red shoes to church. This action is considered very disrespectful to the religious proceedings and the story mentions that the girl should be wearing only black shoes to church. The punishment for her love of the red shoes and her flouting of church doctrine is that she is forced to dance in the shoes which are permanently stuck to her feet until exhausted. She begs an executioner to cut off both of her feet. Then she spends the rest of the story hobbling about and praying for forgiveness for her spiritual failings and sinning. What an uplifting story for children. Not. But apparently Danish literary critics at the time preferred for authors of children's stories to write them with a heavy emphasis on church morality. One critic informed Anderson that he should not waste his time trying to write fairy tales. In general, the opinions of critics forced Anderson to write to focus on writing novels, and he didn't produce any more fairy tales until The Emperor's New Clothes and The Little Mermaid came out after another year. At one point in Anderson's schooling, he had to study under a cruel and pretentious teacher named Simon Meisling, who was known to tell Hans that he was stupid and that he would never amount to anything. It is thought that Meisling served as a model for the pretentious and obnoxious mole in Thumbelina who wants to marry her. Thumbelina is mostly an original creation of Hans Christian Andersen, but it was probably influenced by earlier stories about tiny people, especially the titular character of Tom Thumb, whose mother also went to a magical being to beg for a child. He may have also been influenced uh, by Jonathan Swift's story, Gulliver's Travels, published in 1726. At various times, different translators have called the title character Tom Elise, Little Ellie, Little Toddy, Little Maya, Inchalina, and even Thumbelisa. But no matter what you call her, Thumbelina has remained a popular story in spite of the early blows she took from critics of Hans Christian Andersen, proving that you can always find true love from fairy tale fans and tiny princes as long as you stay true to yourself. Keep reading and meet me again soon for another story in Fable City Radio.